You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The Florida State Seminoles knocked over the first domino of the college football coaching carousel on Sunday, firing Willie Taggart not even two years into the job. Taggart was coming off a really embarrassing loss Saturday to Miami. Overall, he was 9-12 and at Florida State with an 0-5 record against rivals Florida, Miami, and Clemson. The $17 million buyout was worth it to cut bait with a coach who never looked like he knew what he was doing in Tallahassee. So... Are on the bench an FSU football podcast featuring Brendan Sinone, Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, and Zach Blostein. Took to an emergency podcast on Sunday to sort of tell you everything this means for Florida State going forward. We've clipped 20 minutes of that audio for you. Listen up. Christopher, I will start uh, my, my question asking with you. Two years for Willie Taggart, actually less than that. He was hired in December of 2017. What do you make of the, the timeline? And uh, not many Power 5 coaches only get two years. Yeah, the argument is going to be that FSU didn't show proper patience, and that's fair. That's a completely fair thing to state, but I think you have to take in everything that was encompassed in this situation. It wasn't simply about wins and losses. At the end of the day, that's what got him fired, but it wasn't solely about that. It was about, is this program better than it was 12 months ago, and is it better than 24 months ago, essentially 700 days ago, when he got here? And the answer today is a fairly a no. There's minor improvements, but there wasn't enough improvement, and that's what ultimately got him fired. There are many missteps along the way where he just failed to do the things he needed to do in order to get him in the correct direction to make people believe that this program was going to be better year over year than it has been through a two-year stretch of him. And I think that's why this happened today. And the ball got rolling on this with the Boise-ULM combination of games where they looked so dreadfully bad that they went out and hired a essentially a de facto DC to be a um, member of the support staff with Jim Levitt. And then it increased with Wake Forest when the rumor mill got churning hot and heavy. And then we said going into Miami, it would be damning if they lost. And it was damning because of the way they lost. So, you know, that is kind of why we reached that point today. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see that FSU actually did pull the trigger. You know, if they got to Monday at noon with the press conference and Willie Taggart walked in the room, he's coaching that next week. But the fact that they pulled the trigger beforehand with Ben actually did it on Sunday shows that they were at the point of no return. So, Josh, that's pretty much my view on it. Where would you go from there? Well, uh, I mean, physically, I think you promote Odell Hagan's to interim undefeated in his time as interim head coach. We'll put that undefeated record on the line when we go to Gainesville. Actually, undefeated, we'll a, never lost. <laughs> on the line when we go to Boston College. That's going to be a tough game. But, um, yeah, I, I, I personally think that it needed to be done sooner than later. In the day and age of the coaching carousel and in the way that the early signing period hits now, you have to have a coach in place. Um, really, you'd like to have it the day that the season ends. So I think this gives FSU the opportunity to realistically make a hire either 
before the regular season ends or have something ready to go within 24 hours of that Gainesville um, uh, game in UF being played. Announce it that next Sunday. Boom. Now you hit the offseason with the brand new head coach. You're going to have a couple official visit weekends to bring in some recruits and you're going to salvage a recruiting class. This morning, I put something on Twitter about four hours before Willie Taggart was uh, officially fired. And I saw that there was a lot of talk about one of the reasons why Willie Taggart shouldn't be fired is because the class, the recruiting class will fall apart. Um, and, and while that's true, people weren't taking into account what happens in the days after Willie Taggart's fired, a hire's made. And the momentum swings from, yeah, of course, are there going to be a couple decommitments? There probably will be. But as soon as a new coach is hired, uh, there, the excitement comes back. The hope comes back. Kids jump on board once again. And you're going to get some new commitments. Maybe guys that weren't even involved with you under under Willie Taggart are going to now show interest. So um, I think that's a little overrated, but it is something to take into account the recruiting classes. But with FSU making the move at the time that they did, I think this is best case scenario for FSU's 2020 recruiting class. One thing to consider as well, in addition to when we're talking about attrition in a recruiting class uh, this is a factor, and I'm not sure just how profound it's going to be, but but attrition among the actual roster yeah. as well with with FSU and and we've documented the APR and and how that made it difficult for Willie. That was one of the disadvantages he had coming into this job. That I don't know if he knew how grave that was that situation with with the APR that he inherited, but that has prevented Florida State from really truly turning over the roster and running off some some problematic types uh, at least last year for sure. Uh, if guys are leaving Willie guys, if you will, um, and guys that he recruited who bought into him in these first two classes, if there's departures there that, that come with uh, a coaching change uh, or if guys just decide to you know, go pro early who maybe who wouldn't have anyways just to get out, uh, that's going to be worth monitoring as well with this coaching change that that could have a, a negative consequence in, in the short term. We're talking recruiting, so I think it's kind of good moment to bring Zach in. He worked the phones the last two hours since the news broke trying to catch up with commitments, targets, mostly in the 20 class, but also some of the younger guys in 21 and 22. So, what, Zach, what was kind of the reaction that you heard from the kids as they were absorbing this news in real time? I would say most of the commits are kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Um, obviously, you saw uh, defensive back Derek Bermuda step away from his commitment, but that was before the actual news of Tiger getting fired broke. Um, but, you know, I spoke to a couple commitments, and they're kind of trying to – class intact and just kind of waiting to see who this next head coach is going to be. And then a lot of the commits kind of said they'll make their decisions and um, change up their recruitments uh, based on that information. Yeah. And for example, Car- Carter Boatwright said, obviously I'm disappointed, but I also understand why. I think that for most of the mature kids in this class and the kids in this class are fairly mature young guys who understood what they were getting into. I think that's sort of a expected reaction. Then there's the others, you know, Zane hearing Lloyd Willis both said essentially, I don't know for Lloyd Willis and for Zane, I believe it was, I don't know what to think. I think that's also fair. It's a lot to absorb in real time. They're wondering, hey, that guy have a great relationship on the staff with, is he going to be there? What's their offense going to look like next year? What's their defense going to look like next year? So there's so many questions flying through those kids' heads. They're also going to hear from every school that still wants them saying, you know, hey, we got a stable staff. We're doing good things here. Come here. So FSU is going to have to deal with a lot. And the, the goal in this interim period is for the guys who remain on this staff 
to do their job, earn their paycheck, and try to keep those kids retained as they hand a baton off to whoever will be the next staff. For, for this is a question for both Chris and Zach because you guys are have been around the Moore Center today and covering recruiting. There was an official visit and other unofficial visitors leaving from the the big recruiting weekend. Uh, just how weird and awkward has it been there in the past two or three hours? Well, Reggie Grimes was here. He actually left with his parents on a golf cart, I believe, to go get lunch with some of the support staff and some of the staff that helps helps host recruits. Before or after? Before or after uh, the the firing happened. So while he's gone, we're waiting outside, and the young man who transferred from Nebraska, what's his name? Miles. I can't remember Miles' last name. But wide receiver from Nebraska, Miles Faskett. He was leaving. So Zach and Michael Langston from WarChan are chatting with him while I'm out there as well. I was speaking briefly with Miles, but I looked to my left and I see Willie Taggart's SUV leaving. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to meet Reggie Grimes and family for lunch before they come back, probably have a last meeting, and Reggie gets out of here on a plane to leave. The reality of that is about 10 minutes later, we come to realize Willie Taggart's been fired. You know, that's when the release dropped. So that that was kind of the real time. When Reggie Grimes was leaving, he was let out by David Kelly, some of the other support staff members. It's awkward, and it was clear they didn't want us speaking with him, and he probably didn't truthfully want to speak, and that's a tough position to put an 18-year-old in, especially in real time, in person, with two guys that he's barely ever met in his life. So, you know, he got in the car and they departed, but then he literally takes a Twitter, I believe he said his father did as well, Zach, and tweeted awkward. So I think that kind of paints the picture. It's a weird deal. It's a tough thing to balance, but... You can't let the possibility of recruits who have not put ink to paper dictate what you do with a coach. Schools that allow that to happen, it's foolish. If you think a coach should be fired for what it is today, you know, the, the belief that tomorrow might be brighter because of these recruits here that don't all properly address your needs isn't a reason you keep a coach. So that's sort of where I fall in whole. Do you do this if you have a good recruiting class? And FSU has a good recruiting class. I wouldn't define it as great. I would define it as good. And I think it's one that with the logo on the shirt, FSU will be able to compete for a similar ranked class with making a transition if they effectively do the transition. Two, two things with recruiting and uh, want to get your guys' thoughts on it. But, but one, kind of like the Leonard Hamilton uh, theory, you know, and I, I was talking about this with someone a, a few weeks ago with, with, uh, with a good source and uh, they were talking about some of the recruiting efforts with Florida State and you know, hoping that they were going to ramp things up a little bit. Yeah, I feel like if Willie had an elite class right now, not just a good one, but but an elite like top five one, that probably would have helped him out, give him a little bit more leeway. I'm curious to get yeah. your guys' thoughts, but but the, but the lack of a uh, the lack of star power in this class, I think, hurts them because that, that we talked about in the podcast today. This this cycle, right, where FSU just isn't bringing in the the truly elite guys to help Willie out. Uh, of of not being a great X no coach and just around and around we go. Uh, do you think that would have helped him out a little bit more if if the recruiting results were better, even just just in this class alone? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think if he would have signed a a quarterback, it would have helped him out. Right. And I'm not just saying this to. Hey, are you going to cut your? Wait, wait, wait. So Willie Taggart goes his entire FSU career without signing a prep quarterback. Does that mean you're not going to ever cut your hair now, Josh? Like ever again? You're going to have to pose that question to Josh. Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, shave it. Come, come down <laughs> here, we'll shave it for like off. a charity event. I do yeah. think I'm going to do Facebook Live tomorrow, so I got to get that ramp back up. How um, much do you think we could get to contribute to the buyout if we shave Josh's hair and raised money for it? 
I don't know. I can't believe that anybody is fascinated by my hair. But if you ever log into one of my Facebook lives, it's the only thing people talk about. But what I do want to say to that point that you were on, Brendan, if Willie Taggart signs a quarterback, maybe he does get a little bit more leeway because let's say, and I hate to harp on this, but let's say he does sign Michael Penix that first year, instead of passing on Penix, for those that don't know, when Willie Taggart arrived, he brings Michael Penix in on an official visit. He thinks that he's going to get him, but the day before, the day that he leaves, they don't meet with the family and really sit down and say, we want your son. So um, their thought was, we're going to get Emory Jones. We don't want to land panics and and ruin our chance at Emory Jones. So, okay. Then Emory Jones signs with Florida. And now Michael Penix would be a redshirt sophomore. He's playing at Indiana. He'd probably, he'd definitely be playing at Florida State. And maybe there's a glimpse of promise. Maybe there's like a, a, a voice in the back of Booster's head saying, hey, we got this Penix guy. He looks pretty good. Let's see what Willie, can, Willie Tagger can do with him in year three at least. So maybe it buys him another year if he signs a quarterback like that. I don't know. Yeah, recruiting's always about the broader future. I mean, the day I'm sitting in the same room with Willie Tagger made the infamous I have a plan comment. And that plan was apparently Alex Hornerbrook, if we want to believe he actually had that plan. You know, if he actually had a plan and executed and executed correctly, we probably wouldn't be having this podcast about Willie Taylor getting fired after 21 games because they'd be in a better spot because the recruiting would have been brighter for the future. if They had corrected the issues at quarterback, recruited an offensive tackle or two who definitely fit what they needed. Both guys who would be good for the future and guys who would be instantaneous band-aids and multiple guys in those regards, as long as they hadn't made defensive end an issue. There's so many missteps in recruiting that they made that they created a lot of issues for themselves. And the problem for people is that progress just wasn't enough to point out. There wasn't enough to say, hey, we're better, we're getting better, and the future is brighter. I I think it was a very tough pill for a lot of people to try to swallow to believe that FSU's future was truly brighter under the guidance of Willie Taggart based on what they had seen through nine games of the 2019 season. And another factor that kind of goes into recruiting is addressing needs. And as seen in this 2020 class, they got no elite offensive tackles, which they badly needed. There's no one that really addresses the needs that Brian Burns, Brian Burns leaving just a year ago, left them with, you know, a need for a capable pass rusher. Um, They have Morvin Joseph committed. Looks like he's looking elsewhere now, uh, looking at his other options. So, you know, Taggart didn't do a good job uh, in both of his and in, in all of his classes of addressing needs, um, especially along the offensive and defensive front. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Just to show how this works, like last night, you know, we started getting word that, that things are happening and, and didn't necessarily want to put that out there yet, uh, but did want to start preparing. So like we had Willie Taggart's fire story ready to go. Uh, Josh had this coach's board uh, more or less in line. These are just things that you have to kind of be prepared for and ready to go. When you when you cover a team, you start hearing that, that there's a legitimate possibility of it happening. But you know, we, we entered 
today and did a podcast and we're asking, you know, do we think Willie Taggart was going to be fired or not? Or whether this Miami game was Willie Taggart's last stand. And, and while you kind of think, yeah, yeah, probably you just never know when, you know, when it's going to drop. And anyways, here we are. So uh, as we get into this list of names, it, to me, it seems very interesting the directions, the directions Florida State can go because you're going to see guys with with varying levels of experience. Uh, we're going to have some assistants on here. Uh, we're going to have some younger coaches who are you know kind of almost fit the Willie Taggart bill, uh, being younger guys who've had success at lower level well, schools. You're not really selling them well, Sonone. Sorry, and uh, and but you know, and, and let me finish my uh, my thought process. Damn it. Uh, and we have some veteran, some veteran coaches who, who may not be, you know, the, the sexiest names out there, but have proven track records and, uh, would be more sustainable. So, uh, before we get into Josh's uh, breakdown here, Chris, uh, I know this is something that, that you and I have talked about for a, a while, uh, like away from the podcast. And it's something that you heard weeks and weeks ago that, that if there was a change, if it did end up happening as FSU was preparing that, that possibly going with experience uh would be would be something that would be enticing because there's a need right now for stability within this program yeah back when the boise state ulm issue happened and some things were going on behind the scenes with just concerns about the future of the program and if we have to back out where do we go from here some of the talk at that point was retread now no specific name was used but i think a guy like bob stoops a guy like mark rick obviously fits that definition so I think there is some belief of it would be good to get a stabilizing force in here to try to get things back to a certain level of consistency and you know decent results and maybe prepare it to be handed off again not too long after. So I think that's sort of an idea that was in the head. Now, I don't know if that's the idea that will persist now that we're in the reality of a coaching surge. And the fact that FSU has entered it early and been willing to fundraise, I think that you know the dynamic of all that has changed. All right, Josh. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's tease the folks. Uh, tell me tell me what your hot board hot board looks like. Check it out on Knowles twenty four seven. I got <laughs> ten names okay. on there. Give us essentially, a couple. Essentially, names that you need to know as an as F, as <laughs> ten names you need to know as FSU enters its head coaching search. Um, these aren't necessarily names that I can say FSU has contacted or reached out to. Um, these are names that I've kind of, um, you know, talked to people in the know that they suggested these are names that I look at or, or just directions that I generally put my focus to. So, um, to start it off, uh, I don't know if you guys are into sailing, but if PJ Fleck comes, he'll row the boat down here. Um, I don't know about PJ Fleck. Now I like PJ Fleck, what he's done, um, at Minnesota, my only concern with PJ Fleck is, is he too similar to what was here recently? Meaning Willie Taggart. He's young. He can recruit. He can relate. He can communicate with these kids. Uh, but he also has a bunch of sayings, a bunch of uh, mottos wait, that he lives wait, by. Wait. <laughs> a bunch of mottos that he lives by. A bunch of, you know, the, and, and he's an up and comer and a great recruiter. So he's a little bit um, in the same lane as Willie Taggart. I also like Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell, I'm familiar with him from his time back at Toledo, but more recently, I think he's been at Iowa State now for four years, maybe five. He's done a good job of keeping Iowa State not only relevant, but competing in the Big 12, and he makes about $3.5 million a year. So under 40, 
making about $3.5 million a year. I think he's a guy that FSU could go after. Um, and you kind of hit on the older guys. If FSU were to go in that direction, uh, Mark Director or Bob Stoops would be the direction I look to. Um, then we have a couple guys on here that do not have any head coaching experience, and they're both at Clemson. Jeff Scott and Brent Venables. Now, there could be a, a, a few more guys in this lane, too. Dave Aranda would fit in here. Uh, Tony Elliott. Tony, Tony Elliott, the co-offensive Clemson coordinator. Well yep. is a name that I would add in that. You could put Tony Elliott in here as well. They'd all kind of be in the same vein. Now, do we expect FSU to fire Willie Taggart to go out and hire a coach with no experience? I Probably. think that's a hard sell to this fan base. I, I, would, I would agree I with agree. you, Josh, unless it's someone – like the only one is maybe Jeff Scott because of his ties to you know, the area. Maybe. That's the one who gets you excited. But, yeah, more or less you have to nail, really, really get someone who's exciting – uh, if it's not a proven head coach, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. An initial thought for me on this coaching search is, you know, this is our second one now in essentially 24 months. And the last one was such a, Whoopee! the last one was such a slam dunk. I mean, it was the, the hot board was Willie Taggart. As like jo- Josh was asked by our boss to put together a hot board and he responded, Willie Taggart is the is hot the board. board. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. So I did like a, a coat, uh, the whiteboard on my Facebook lives, but I never put out a coaching hot board for the last tire. No. And, and then the day before you like, was there like, Oh, I'm hearing a little bit about Charlie strong. Should I put something out? You were so close to just going wire to wire with no other names. It was still the most impressive feat of anyone covering the team though. Uh, you, you were the most on on that. I learned I respected you that day when I saw that text message. I was like, Josh, Josh has some balls on him. All right. All right. <laughs>